We've been talking about vision and been talking about what it means to live a life with vision. And honestly, guys, when we talk about vision, we're really talking about faith. I hope you all have made that connection. But if not, I'll help you. Faith or vision and living with vision is, is really just living by faith. Because, again, vision is not what you have done. It is what you have yet to do. Vision is not where you are. Vision is where you have yet to go. Sight is the opposite of vision. I heard someone say one time that the opposite of faith isn't fear. Right. We've, we, if, if we took a poll, if we just asked, uh, you know, across the congregation, what's the opposite of fear? Uh, some might or what's the opposite of faith? Some might say doubt. Doubt. Right. Because faith is believing and doubt is disbelieving. Some might say fear. But the opposite of faith is sight. Because faith is what you do not see. Therefore, what you see will rob you of your faith. And most people live their lives by sight only. And I know that sight and vision kind of sound like the same, right? Because we're, we're seeing, but sight sees what it is. Vision sees what it will be. I quit saying uh, that vision will see what it can be. And I started saying vision sees what it will be. Not just what it can be, but what it has yet to become. If I, if I handed out uh, seeds to everybody in this room, and I should have done this. I always think of my illustrations as I'm preaching. I'm not really an illustration guy, if you haven't realized that. Some guys, man, they can pull out an illustration every single week. And I should have thought about that. I could have given everyone a seed and I would ask you, what do you have in your hand? And most of you would have said seed. But visionaries would have said a tree or a plant. See, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, Jesus said, because Jesus doesn't see a seed. He sees a tree. I can fit a tree in my pocket. And when I look at a tree, I look at what was once a seed. It didn't get there by itself. It was a seed that had to become and grow into a tree that now bears fruit and gives away seed to others. That's vision. That's vision. Vision is a perspective. Vision isn't a uh, discounting of what it is, but it's a recognizing that what it is is not the way it can stay. What it is is not the way that it will remain. What it is 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 going to increase, going to grow. God is a a king and kings love to advance. Kings love to extend. Kings love to to increase anything that they have. And here in Matthew chapter 14 and beginning with verse 25, we see a, a king or a, a master, if you will. Matthew chapter 14. Did I give you the right passage? Matthew chapter 25. Did I give you Matthew 25? Matthew 25, verse 14. My dyslexia kicked in today, apparently. Let's try that again. Y'all got Matthew 14 on the screen, too. I messed it up back there, too. Amen. Let's try it again. Edit the tape. Matthew chapter 25. I never blew it. That's just between you and I. Anyone listening would not even know the difference. So we see a master. We see 
a king, if you will. And it says in verse 14, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants. So we know he's a master because he has servants. Can't be a master if you don't have servants, right? Can't be a leader if you don't have followers. Who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five, to another two, and to another one. To each according to what? His own ability. Not the master's opinion. Not the, not the master's idea. The master's ability to recognize their ability. See, what you are given is based upon what you have done. Where you are going will be determined by what you're doing now. And we miss this concept so much because we think that vision's just going to happen. Vision doesn't happen by accident. Vision happens with diligence and hard work and putting your hand to stuff that you don't want to do so you can be given one day the stuff that you know you can do. That's where it comes from. This master isn't just randomly picking, okay, five and two. He is, is very intent. He's very intentional, very decisive with his decision here. And he says, I have been watching you. I've recognized what you are able to handle because God will not put on you something that you cannot handle. Right? We, we all believe that about the evil stuff. We don't want to so much believe that about the good stuff. Oh, give me all of it. Give me a million dollars. You can't handle a million dollars because I've been trusting you with a $2,000 a month paycheck and you ain't handling that. You can't handle it. Come on. We, we think we decide what we can handle and what we can't handle. But the master decides according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. And then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them. And made another five talents. Likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. These guys are increasing. These guys are not just staying. They're not just happy with five or happy with two. And, and notice the master didn't give any instruction. That's how you know when you're close to the master and how you know that you're close to the father. When the instruction doesn't even have to be there. You just you just watch him and you watch how he operates. And they knew something about this master that said. He's not going to be happy if he comes back and I still only have five. I've watched him and and the way that he operates. And and when he's got five, he goes and he doubles that. And and when he has two, man, he's doubling that. And when he's got, I mean, he has built what he has built because he's increased it, not just because it was handed to him. So if if I know anything about my master, when he comes back, he's going to be taking an account, which means I'm accountable. I'm able to be accounted for. That's accountability. He's going to be asking for a record of what was given to me. And I know that he's going to want to see increase. But verse 17, likewise, uh, he who had gained two more also. Verse 18, but he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. See, you've got to know where certain things have to be planted. Right. I could take a seed and put it in the ground and get an increase. You can't take money and put it in the ground and get increase. You've got to know where to put what God has placed you. 
in, or placed in your hands. So he dug in the ground, put the Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me. So the first thing is he's acknowledging is this doesn't belong to me, but you've placed it in my hands. There's a difference between ownership and stewardship. One of the greatest ways to learn to live with vision and live and and have a vision for your life is to learn the value of stewardship. Learn the value that it doesn't belong to me and I don't own it, but I am responsible to take care of it. You, you will never have vision in your life if you think it all belongs to you and you can handle it however you please. When God gave over the earth and dominion and control and authority of the earth to Adam and to Eve in the garden, they weren't the owners. The Bible tells us in Psalms chapter 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That means everything that's in it. He owns it. God is the owner of heaven and earth by right of creator, by, by right of creation. He created it. It belongs to him. He owns it. But he handed over control and the responsibility of the earth to Adam and Eve. What were they responsible for? To guard and take care of the garden? Make sure that everything is fruitful and that it multiplies? He was giving them stewardship. Meaning that they now have a responsibility. Jesus told us that we are to occupy until he comes. We are to occupy. That means we've got something to do until Jesus comes. More than just sitting around and waiting for his return. We've got a a role to play. A participation, if you will, in the earth and what happens in the earth. And the influence that God has given you and I. And he will be looking for increase. Off of. What was placed in our hands initially? God's looking for increase. The master here is looking for increase. And he came back, settled accounts. He who had received five talents came and brought five other talents. Lord, you delivered five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. He didn't pray to his Lord and say, I need more. He didn't pray for increase. He didn't shout money cometh. Every day he went and he traded. He took what he had and used it. Maybe even took a risk. Stepped out in faith to get an increase. I've gained five more. Verse 23. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful. Look what he says. Servant. You realize that's what that's what we're all going to hear when we get to heaven. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Servant, not good and faithful pastor, not good and faithful doctor, not good and faithful master's degree, not good and faithful doctorate, not good and faithful uh, uh, whatever the world deems successful. Everyone at the end of the day is going to get the same title, servant. The, the things that we live for and the things that we try to increase when when God has wants us focused on something else, that no matter what role I'm in and no matter what God places in my hands, I'm always a servant. Always a servant. Good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. 
faithful over a few things, I will make you a ruler. So by serving, now he's made a ruler. Now he's in charge of something. That you want to be a faithful servant. I will make you a ruler. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done. Good and faithful servant, you have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I love the fact that there's two separate occurrences with two separate amounts because it tells me it's not the amount that makes me faithful. It's not the amount that makes me successful. I can do the same with two that I can do with five and I'll get the same response. You never have too little. And if we think we have too little, then maybe we should look at the track record that got us to where we are, to where the master determined this is what you can handle. But between the five and the two, if you do the same with it, you'll get the same response from it. So we're not limited. He didn't go to him and say, well, you only gave me two. He had five. Of course, he could go and and. And he and notice that the master wasn't looking for ten from the one with the two. Well, why didn't you get ten like that guy? No, he said, I'm just looking for you to do the same with what you have. It's not a number he's looking for, it's a percentage. If you double yours and you double yours and you've given two, you've given five, you've been given ten. That's all I'm looking for. Be faithful. Verse twenty four, then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. That's interesting. See, they, they both, all three servants knew something about their Lord prior to him giving them the wealth. But this guy came to a different conclusion. This guy came, came to a different assumption. I knew you to be a hard man. Uh, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. See, when we don't know God the way that we ought to, and when we don't recognize Jesus the way that we ought to, it'll create a response in us that will limit what we can do for him. I was afraid. Isn't that what Adam said in the garden? We were afraid and we hid. Not because God changed, but because something brought me to a different conclusion. Something stepped in and altered how I view my master, how I view my God. Something altered my, my conclusions and my assumptions of how he operates. He says, uh, I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. And then he, he states this as if the master should be glad that at least he's getting his back. Look, there you have what is yours. There you have what is yours. Now, this level of recognizing God as owner is different than the other two guys. Because this guy allowed God's ownership of the talents to rob him of his stewardship of the talents. The other guy said, he's the owner, 
but he's placed it in my care. The other guy said, he's the owner, so it's up to him. And I'm going to hide it. At least, at least you got back what you gave me. I didn't lose it. I didn't lose the talent. I didn't lose what you placed in my hand. I didn't lose the influence. I just didn't increase it. Just didn't increase it. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. That's a little different than faithful. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seeds. So you ought to have deposited. He said, yeah, you knew that about me. He, he, he stated the same thing that the servant said. I reap where I haven't sown. I, I receive where I haven't scattered seed. Same, same thing, but just different conclusions. He said that should have moved you to at least deposit the money with bankers. Why? So at my coming, I would have re- received back my own with interest. What's that? Increase. At the very least, you should have placed it in the hands of someone else who could have gotten it. The best is that you could increase what I place. But if you aren't going to increase what I've put in your hands, at least give it to somebody that will increase it. Because when I come back, I want more than I gave. I'm, I'm looking for more. You should have deposited it with the bankers. Verse 28, so, the, so take the talent from him. And give it to him who has what? Has the most? Who, to the one who has ten talents. See, there, there's, there, there's an amazing concept that shows up when we are faithful with what God has placed in our hands. And, he's in, and we increase what he's given us. We'll be given more that we didn't work for. God doesn't want to limit you to just the increase you can do. He wants to increase you on top of what you can do. So how does this tie in with vision? When you have vision, you you recognize that what God has given you and what God has placed in your hands is not to stay the same way that it is. There's a level of increase. I want to give you four characteristics of people with vision. That we're going to pull from this passage. Four characteristics of people with vision. Four characteristics that I believe these two servants reveal to us in how we ought to live our lives seeing beyond. Seeing beyond what we currently have. Number one, they are motivated by a holy discontent. People with vision are motivated by a holy discontent. You know, it's okay to be frustrated. You know, it's okay to have frustrations, discontentment, a dissatisfaction with the way things are. That's okay. That's not the problem. The problem is how people go about expressing their frustrations with no action. People do not impress me when they use their platforms to call out presidents and call out tensions in our nation and call out other people that that are actually getting up and doing something about it. And what I've learned about people is that when, when people give opinions, it usually reveals more about the person giving the opinion than the one that they have the opinion about. 
No, there's nothing wrong with seeing problems. But it's even greater to solve a problem. Just because you can stand up and see what's wrong, but do nothing about it or give no solutions or no plan of attack to change. See, see, most people aren't willing to change until they've reached that ultimate level of frustration. I've had it. I've had it with my financial situation. I've had it living paycheck to paycheck. I've had it with, with the racial tensions and the racial divide in our I've had it with people not not honoring and valuing the word of God. So that frustration moves you to fix the problem. People with vision are problem solvers, not problem finders. And, and I've found that problem finding many times can become a spirit. You ever notice that a spirit of contention? A spirit of division, a spirit of disruption, a spirit of even intimidation. So just bring a problem and then drop it on your lap. And one thing that I have found, and and people with vision recognize this, that many times the problems that I see are an indication to my gifting and to what God's calling me to do. That's how we live with vision. That's how you live with vision is you recognize, man, I keep recognizing that there's no support for our teachers. That all over social media, only the only time you ever hear parents talk about teachers on social media is to knock them down or tell them what what they did wrong to their kids. We don't ever hear what the teacher. So I'm going to do something to show support for our teachers. That, that is a way to solve a problem, not just find a problem. Because sometimes you can just have a problem with the problem. Well, I have a problem with people sharing stuff about teachers with a lack of support on social media. Okay, so what are we going to do about that? Let's solve the problem. Vision-minded people solve problems. They don't just find problems. There was something... And, and, and people with vision, they, they asked this question. There was something about these two individuals that said, what is the problem I'm trying to solve? Because, see, when, when God recognizes that you're a problem solver, he'll have no problem getting you everything you need to solve the problem. Isn't that right, Chris and Terry? No problem. No problem. I, I've, I've seen these two hurdle financial numbers that would would blow some of us out of the water because God has no problem meeting needs that are solving a problem. He does have a problem meeting needs that only solve you or only help you. But when you get behind a cause and you get behind a mission and you said, this is beyond me, it's bigger than me. I've got to, I got people I got to touch. I got people I got to reach. There's stuff we got to do. We don't have time to just sit down and play patty cake. Then he's going to say, I got no problem funding that. When you learn to give, when you learn that, that everything you have is, to, is, is for the measure of generosity for what you're going to do with it, he'll have no problem getting it to you when he knows he can get it through you. I think it was Mark Hankins said, uh, you know, if, if, you, if you get addicted to giving, he'll fund your habit. <laughs> 
<laughs> I can tell. I can tell. They have no problem. We should have no problem getting resources, getting people, getting finances, getting time, getting stuff for the kingdom of God. And when we live with vision, God will say, I've got to get it to you. I have no other option. When we live beyond ourselves. Even your time. Some of us run around saying, I have no time. I have no time. Everything's sucking up my time. And God's saying, I'm trying to give you time. But if you would give your time to something else that maybe you don't think you have time for, you'll have time for all kinds of stuff. It's not just about money. These talents are not just about money. This was not a small. They, they say that one talent amounted to about $20,000. Is what they say. That's not just a small amount. I mean, you're talking about a lot of money that this master handed in their hands in hopes that they would respond accordingly to what they have seen him do. No instruction. Now, I want you to go trade this, double it. When I come back, I'm going to be looking for ten, be looking for four, I'm going to be looking for two. doesn't even say that. They just knew his heart. They're motivated by a holy discontent. Do something about it. We don't just merely complain. We don't just merely talk about it. We get up and we put action to it. Number two. Number two, people with vision display courage in spite of fear. They display courage in spite of fear. What's the risk involved? God's wanting us to take some big risks. God's wanting us to take some big jumps. God's wanting us to get beyond our capacity and our comfortability. God is wanting to move us and we increase when we step out of our comfort. That's where increase shows up. I use the example of, you know, working out a lot because you can tell I work out a ton, you know, all the time. And. But but I, I know the what I know how it works and I know that you don't even begin to touch the surface of increase in your physical body until you have pushed past where you thought you could go. I'm teaching Camden this right now because after three bites, he says, I'm full. I know no other parents in this room have that issue. You know, leave me up in here all by myself like you don't have kids that are picky and are just going to eat five bites and say I'm done. But that's what he'll do. So I know when he says I'm full, he's got at least seven to ten left. So we haven't even touched the surface of how much your tiny little body can contain and consume in food and in drink until you tell me you're done. And then we're going to go even beyond that. That is where increase shows up. And people with vision take big risks. People with vision push themselves past their limits, not just to the limit. People with vision use what they have, knowing that it could possibly go bad. But with God, everything works out. That's vision minded people. We've been teaching on Wednesdays talking about the Israelites coming out of Egypt through the wilderness into the promised land. And it's a picture of how God moves us from where we are to where we should be. Really, these two messages tie in very well. And I, I, I'm reminded of God's word to Joshua. Not words of comfort. You're getting ready to inherit and inhabit the promised land. We've been walking around the wilderness for 40 years waiting for this. 
And his word isn't, all right, now it's going to be easy. You're going to coast on in. I'm going to fight your battles for you. You've got my power going. No, he says, be strong and of good courage. And he repeats it. He's, he's really trying to get this over to him. You're going to have to be courageous. God, it's starting to bother me why you keep telling me to be courageous. So what is on the other side of this thing? This is what vision-minded people live with and look at. Belief is something you live for. But conviction is something you die for. Belief is something you live for. But conviction is something you die for. Taking big risks and big steps, knowing that you are solving a problem, you are making a difference, making a change. That's how you live with vision. And the world is looking for people who have conviction. I'm telling you right now, the world does not need another person with an opinion. Opinions are not convictions. Most people are not strongly convicted of what they are so opinionated about. No, the world needs people that have a strong conviction. Courage is trusting God in spite of fear. Courage is not living a fear-free life. Courage is saying, it's all surrounding me, but I'm going to win anyways. I'm going to conquer anyways. I'm going to go on. It cannot stop me. It's not greater than me. Greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. Who, who can be against me if God is for me? That is courageous. Walking into the battle. A table set right in the middle of your enemies, in the valley of the shadow of death. I fear no evil because he is with me. It's not about where you're going and it's not about what's against you, but it's about who is with you. That's living with vision. Number three, expose yourself to people who dream big. Vision-minded people expose themselves to people who dream big. These two servants obviously spent enough time with their master to recognize what it looks like to dream big. What it looks like to gain and increase and move forward and advance in your life. They knew by instinct, not by instruction. I said they knew by instinct, not by instruction, what their master would demand of them. That he would come and settle accounts, that he would come and look for increase, that he would come and, and uh, uh, require of them more than what he placed in their hands. They expose themselves. And, and, and I'm telling you right now, there will, get, there will be places where you can no longer dream. There will be places where you can't dream big enough. And you have to get around someone. I heard one minister say one time, he said, I don't like being in the room and being the smartest person. I want to get around people that are doing more, doing greater, have done more, have more experience. And I'm like the little one in the room just jotting everything down and learning and growing and exposing myself to how they operate. If we hang around small minded people, we will remain small minded. No, we need to get around people. And usually the first Emotion you have when you get around these individuals is intimidation. Why am I even here? I shouldn't even be having this conversation. 
I've been in a few of those rooms since pastoring. But they challenged me. And they grew me. And I'm glad that I did. And I will never limit myself from being around people that can think big and see big. I want to get around people that are doing crazy stuff. I want to get around people that other people would hear what they want to do and and what their dreams are and laugh at them. That's the people I want to hang around. So if people laugh at you, I want to be around you. I'll be your friend. Change is not change until it is changed. Change is not change until it is changed. The first thing that changes for people that live with vision is not what's around them. It's what's within them. That's the first thing that changes. You want to become a visionary? You've got to be willing to confront everything about you. Because you take you wherever you go. Whatever God has in store for you, you are the common denominator down the road. Are you, are we in a place that we can handle what God has for us? If we had 500 people today, would we be able to contain it? If we had a a million dollars today, would we be able to handle it? If our business was this size, would we be able to take over? If your your, uh, 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 future now was nationwide, would you be able to control that? Would you be able to handle it? What does that look like? How are we growing ourselves, not for where we're at now, but for the next level? I met with a pastor one time, and uh, we were starting to grow. We were, this was... Maybe just within the last couple of years, starting to grow, starting to see some increase and knew that we needed to move facilities. We just moved into this facility in March for those of you that haven't been with us since then. And uh, last year we knew that there was a change coming. And so I met with another pastor in town, actually. And he said, if you want to grow to this number, you've got to get a space for this number. If you want to grow to 200, you've got to get a space for 500. You want to grow to 500, you got to get a space for 1,000. Not just the space, but everything. Systems, people, operations, uh, uh, children's ministry, everything. You've got to be able to maintain beyond where you want to be to get from where you are. That's some big thinking. And for, for a, a culture that just lives day to day, on a whim. That's a complete mental change. That's a, that's a complete mental renewal of thinking and changing how we operate. Not just where I am. Not just where I want to be. But even beyond where I believe I can be. You got to get around people that think like that. So I would ask you who is in your circle. Who is in your circle. Because they might be an indication of why you are where you are at. Number four, the last characteristic I want to cover today of people with vision. People with vision never stop dreaming. They never stop dreaming. I wonder why the master gave that last little talent to the one that already had ten. I believe there was something about that individual that was an indicator to the master. Remember, he only gives you what you are able to handle. So there was something about that individual that revealed to the master, I can handle 11. I've gained 10, 
but I can do even more than that. When we stop dreaming, we limit what God can put in our hands. When we stop dreaming and envisioning what God can do, we limit what God can do. He is giving his people assignments, roles, abilities, gifts, finances, influence. He's giving these people these uh, uh, talents based upon what he believes they can handle. And when we are dreaming, when we are envisioning, when we are moving forward and we're handling everything, I, I, don't, I don't dream about ten and misuse the five. I don't sit on the five and say, well, if I had ten. I did that one time. We did that one time. We hid what we had in the ground. But when we dug it back out, put it to work, put it to use, increase came. This is not just church stuff. This, I'm not just talking. This is stuff that I would, I would teach to pastors and to leaders. Uh, and this is stuff that I'm learning in my own ministry as well. But this is for your family. We discount what we have in our hands. Believing for something better. Believing for something more. Maybe a different marriage. Maybe uh, different kids. <laughs> I know. Sometimes, you know, it's like, I brought you in the world, I could take you out. We'll start all over, I'll make another one just like you. People don't talk like that anymore. That's back in the day. They would tell their kids, I'll take you out, we'll make another one just like you. We got a replacement. Whatever it is, God has more. Worship team, if you'd come. God has more. I don't know about you, I want to be a dreamer. We talked about Joseph at the very beginning of this series. A dreamer. You know, dreamers get a bad rap sometimes. Oh, you just got your head in the cloud. No, real dreamers will continue to apply themselves where they're at today. I'm reminded of... The movie Back to the Future. Anyone seen Back to the Future? One of my favorite movies. I'm reminded of uh, Goldie sweeping in that little diner. Black man, Goldie. And of course, Marty McFly coming back from the future, thus the name of the movie, goes up to him and says, you're going to be mayor one day. He said, mayor? Yeah, I can be mayor. I'm going to be mayor. And then the owner of the diner comes around and he says, we're not going to have no black mayor. He says, you just watch. I'm going to clean up these streets. He said, good. You can start by sweeping the diner, sweeping the floor. Come on, what is it that is beyond natural ability? What is it that is beyond what we could, beyond what God says we can think, say, or do? What is it God wants to do exceedingly abundantly in our lives. But it starts with vision. It starts with vision. 
I hate to see people thinking too little of themselves, of their capacity, of their influence. It's one of the greatest things that I love to do is to empower people to live beyond where they're at. I don't, I don't care what struggle. I don't care what color you are. I don't care what your financial status is. I don't care what your past. There's, you can't surprise me. After a few years of pastoring, you can't surprise me anymore. We shared a testimony of a couple in this church. Where a young man driving his vehicle one night late at night hit a guy and, and killed him. How do you come back from that? But that couple is in our church today, serving faithfully, moving forward and advancing the kingdom of God. That's real life. This is real life. There's nothing you've done that's too far gone. There's nothing, there's where you're at today cannot keep you from where God wants you to be if you get your mind on what He has for you. It's like Chris says. If you don't have a plan, if you don't have a path, you'll take every road. And I see that happening. I see people robbing themselves of their ability and their power, searching and seeking for the things that should be seeking them. We want to be a vision-led church and a vision-minded people. And I want to see the people in our church live with vision. There's businesses in here that have not been started. There are books in here that have not been written. There, there are, are schools in here that have not been started. Real life stuff that God is wanting to do in people's lives. And His promises and His provisions, they will come running you down when you live with vision. The master will approach you and say, here's five. I need you to go and make ten. He'll come to you based on your ability, based on your faithfulness, based on what you prove you can handle. And when you handle what he's giving you, you will receive more. Father, we thank you today.